Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. in here. Happy Father's Day. I want to pray a prayer over you. Uh, it's more of like, sort of like a word, but it's found in Jesus' calling for today. And I thought, how appropriate for all the fathers. And um, I, I will tell you that uh, throughout the years, the things that I've talked with most men about who were fathers is most of them felt inadequate and flailing and failing at it and wish they they could have done better and been more or did things differently. And uh, what a a thing the enemy tries to lay on uh, the male of our species in that condemning them and being fathers. And it's it's really been, I'm serious, uh, so many counseling sessions over dads who feel like they've failed their children and their wives and miserable and uh, so I'm here to tell you something different I think you're wonderful and God thinks you're wonderful God really likes the idea of fatherhood it was in him in the beginning he was a father from the beginning the whole idea of father and and children was his idea in creation isn't that wonderful I think that's a very compelling and uh, secure thought to our hearts that it was his idea so for every day if you're a dad and you feel inadequate kick that old thought out of your head that's just the old enemy trying to steal from you God's goodness over your life this day so I say and the Lord says happy father's day and listen to this this is from Jesus calling anybody read Jesus calling still yeah oh yeah every once in a while I tell you what there is such a nugget of gold in there you just you pick it up and carry it with you all day and go, I'm rich. Uh, you just got to remember to read it. So for June 19th, it says, I am the firm foundation on which you can dance and sing and celebrate. My presence. This is my high and holy calling for you fathers. Receive it as a precious gift. Glorifying and enjoying me is a higher priority than maintaining a tidy, structured life. I love that. Give up, you need to say this as an Irish kid, give up your old sins. Uh, Give up your striving to keep everything under control. Isn't that what we do? Oh, we spend so much time trying to keep it under control. An impossible task and a waste of precious energy. My guidance for each of my children is unique. That's why listening to me is so vital for your well-being. Let me prepare you for the day that awaits you and point you in the right direction. I am with you continually, so don't be intimidated by fear. Though it stalks you, it cannot harm you as long as you cling to my hand. Keep your eyes on me, enjoying peace in my presence. Lord, I pray that over fathers, not just this day, but even for this year, the rest of this year, and into next year, until next Father's Day, that there would be a joy 
about your presence in the lives of the men who hear this. And that you would bless them wonderfully, wonderfully. Without exhaustion, that you would bless them over the revelation of how much you care and your desire to guide them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi. Summertime, living is easy, right? Ooh. It's hard to live when it's that hot, though. You got to quit working in Brenda's garden about 1030. You can tell what I've been doing. Hope you enjoyed last week. Brenda shared, and uh, I don't have the messages up yet. There's a technical difficulty. My finger isn't working right. So I just got to get it, get them uh, sorted and, and get it up there. And I will. I'll catch up with everything probably this week. So. And the week before that, I want to make mention of you, by the way, Brenda spoke about faith, and, uh, and I've got to hear that several times and got it read to me a couple of times, the readings that she gave from your journal, and each time it's spoken different things into my heart, so I hope it was able to do that for you. And she said most people like the first part where she rants against the government, <laughs> but but the meat of the message is about faith and how to identify it by seeing the dots. And, you know, God, there's an occurrence in your life. Something happens, something, a, a, a meeting with somebody, an idea, God shows you something, you read something in the Bible, and a dot happens. And all these dots start appearing, and, and what faith does is it draws, it draws lines to the dots. Remember those old dot-to-dot -dot things you did when you were a little kid? And then you start seeing the picture of it, and you go, oh, my God. And then when that revelation comes in, you have a handle on something, and God is speaking in your heart, and you find out God really is directing me. He hasn't quit. Um, too many believers fall into the wilderness trap. I'm in, a, I'm in a wilderness, and God's far away. I'm telling you, that's just a foggy fog. It's not real. God's not far away from you. He planted his eternal seed right into you. Instead of praying, God, show me where you are, show me your presence, pray for yourself that your heart would be aware that he's there. Because that's really what it is. He didn't go anywhere. He is firmly planted in you. That's why if you're worried about somebody who you think is straying, God doesn't give up on people. Remember that. We'll look at it closely this morning. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about what it means to fall from grace, what that actually means to compare to how we, what we've been taught that it means and, and the difference between the two. And there's another misconception. So this came from me reading some different things and looking at uh, what people were writing about that. And I, I want to I get this clear for you. I've got it clear in me. I Now, do I want it more clear? Oh, yes, on a daily basis. But I, I want you to really understand that the new covenant is something much deeper, wider, and stronger than we have been taught in the past. And the misconception that gets tied with well, that person sinned, so they've fallen from grace, which is not true. If you sin, you fall into grace, not out of grace. Because wherever sin is, 
Wherever sin abounds, grace more abounds. So falling from grace is when you try to work it out on your own. That's when you're, you never, God never takes his grace away from you. If you're falling from grace, it's because you're, you're trying to do something in your flesh that's an impossibility, and that's make yourself be okay. And you can't do it. It's called legalism. So the operating question that goes with that is, can we fall out of fellowship with God? Can we? When you say God feels far away from me, is that a reality? No, it's a feeling. Can we get out of fellowship with God and the Holy Spirit? When we do wrong, the Holy Spirit uh, lifts off of us. Have you ever heard... Uh, there's a teaching that goes with this, so I'm going to describe the teaching so you can see the, clearly see the difference, and then I'll give you reality of what the New Covenant and what the New Testament actually teaches about it. So have you ever heard that when you sin, you're no longer in fellowship with God? Uh, I was taught that the Holy Spirit's like a dove. Did you get that teaching? And that as long as you're okay, he's hanging out right here on your shoulder, but when you do wrong, he... He flies away and sits on the, uh, you know, the clothesline until you get right, and then he comes back and lands back on you again. It's that magic that isn't magic but is a lie, because that's not true. But, but it is a very real misconception, and the teachings have hung with us, even my heart that's been in grace now for uh, quite a while. Uh, by the way, I love the music this morning. I'm going out of grace, man. Do you remember me saying that like 12 and 14 years ago? I'm still going out that way. It is a very common misconception among believers and widely accepted, unfortunately, as a, as a teaching and doctrine that when we sin, that God backs away from us. He removes his fellowship from us. You may not lose your eternal salvation, but God's upset with you now and he backs away from you now. The pictures that's painted is that your sin puts up a barrier between you and God so that he can't be close to you. There's sin between you and God and that he can't bless you. In fact, he might even punish you by making bad things happen in your life until you get right with him. We go, no, I don't believe that. Ooh, when the little seeds of doubt come in and you go, oh, that was wrong, and I bet you I'm going to get a whammy for that one. We say that we won't think that way, but that fiery dart from the enemy comes into our life and just goes, I'm not in a good place. God's going to have to get me for this one. Well, of course he's going to get you. He never lost you. But by getting you, he means something way different than you think he intends often. Not always. Uh, usually regarding that kind of barrier or estrangement that we've been taught is a feeling. It's often described as affecting your prayers. 
And scripture is used to actually teach that, 1 John 1, 9. Even taking the extreme position that you can't petition the Lord while you're out of fellowship. I just looked it up on the internet. A whole list of teachings. There's a whole, I mean, it's just like, it's like Google gone wrong. Every false teaching that could possibly there is at the top of the list. How you fall out of fellowship with God. Uh, the only way to get right then is to ask for forgiveness and make sure that you repent completely so that you can receive restoration so that he can hear your prayers again. Now, you've heard me do this before, so here comes the great buzzer from heaven. Ah! Wrong answer. Wrong. you got to get that settled in your heart. Wrong answer. Uh, these are some of the scriptures that were used. John 1, 12 through 13, Galatians 4, 4 through 7. This was quoted. Uh, so it, the teaching goes like this, that our relationship with God consists on two levels. We are saved, and we not only inherit eternal life, but we're also adopted into God's family and become one of his children. They use those scriptures, rightfully so. And that nothing can ever change that. But that's only the first level of your relationship with God. And it's eternal and unconditional. But then there's a second relationship. And if we sin as believers, we have to either, um, we, we either refuse or neglect to ask forgiveness. And so we get far away from God. And they call that, literally, you can look it up on the internet, being out of fellowship with God for believers. It's so wrong. It, matter of fact, I fall into the sin of being angry when I read it. Because it's so wrong. It'll tell you, you don't lose your salvation, but your relationship can be interrupted. It will use a language like that. Uh, and you'll miss out on blessings that you could have received. So all the blessings were there in the blessing room, but because you sinned, and didn't get it right, you're not allowed to knock on that door and get the blessing. And the room is full of blessings waiting for you. Oh my gosh, beloved. If you have, get it off your computer. Don't read it again. Throw that lie away because it will disrupt the understanding of truth in your life. And I will say this because it... it, it, it the solution that's used is, is for you to confess your sins to God and be very sincere about it so that God knows that you really mean it. That's literally what I was reading a teaching and that's what it said. God, you think God doesn't know when you really mean something or not? What's better still is God really knows what he means. You know, the funny thing about God is he knows he's God. And he knows you're not. Yet he put his eternal son inside of you. A seed. A precious seed. That is always at work in you. Will never leave. Won't go away. Uh, estranged from Christ. What it is, is God never pulls away from us. Who does the pulling away? Me. I, pull, I do the pulling away. 
if you're far from God, it's not God's doing, it's your doing. So if you go through a thing, and I'll talk more about confession and about sin and stuff, but you have to understand, every one of your sins are forgiven. Romans 6 says he died once for all. It's such a hard concept because we're stuck here in time. But that does mean that the ones that you're going to do three days from now, guess what? They were under the same blood that the past ones were and the present ones and anything future. Well, I can do whatever I want then. Well, when Christ comes into you, the want to's change. It doesn't mean you won't stumble, but here's the thing. When I stumble now, I have access to this grace by which we stand. It doesn't say step back. Uh, I, I sinned. Now I'm further away from God. How did you get away from him? Did you throw him up? There went the Holy Spirit. He'll come back as soon as I confess. Think through this. It's a spiritual, illogical statement. It can't be one or the other. It can't be... That's why we like the term, I'm a sinner saved by grace, because we want to hang on to the fact, the reality that we know we sin, but that if I do it correctly on how I talk to God, I'll be okay. And so that's why we like to say we're a sinner saved by grace. And it's harder to say I'm a saint. St. Lloyd. Wonderful, righteous, holy, complete, filled with the living God. Why are those confessions so hard? Because we fail. But failure... God made that this is the most magnanimous, wonderful thing about the cross. It's not just the way in, it's the way on. By the way, a very famous teacher who you all were influenced by said that years and years and years ago. Do you know who said it? John Wimber. He said the way on is the way in. You don't, get, you don't come in and then it changes. And now that you're born again, you, you don't ever need that anymore. Or there's a different way. Um, it, it's such, such a dramatic change. The good news is this. God will not ever separate himself from us since we're under a new covenant that he established. Now, what does new covenant mean? It's a promise, and here's the wonderful thing about the new covenant. It's the promise that God made to himself on your behalf. It's not a promise he made to you. It's a promise he made to himself and gives it to you as a gift. So the only way it can be received is as a gift. It can't be earned. It can't be manipulated. It can't be changed by the language you use and make sure that you repent hard enough. It's an impossibility. We've almost made repentance a God. Repent means to do penance again. Repentance. 
over and over again. Here's the good news. You are united to God. Do you deeply believe that in your heart of hearts? Because that's the one that stands against all this stuff that God's disappointed, discouraged with me, and I got to get some things right so he'll be okay with me again. God united himself to you. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, he who is joined, and the word joined is incredible because it, it's like an eternal marriage thing. It means the two become one. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Sin, doesn't it feel sometimes like sin's really strong? Like, oh, you just want to cuss at it. It's so strong. Why that? Blazes, do I do that again? Why, when will I ever get free? We think it's that strong, but you know what? Sin does not have <laughs> the power to break your union with Christ. Christ has the power to overcome the sin that you think is breaking your union. It's, it's, a, it's a twist in our spiritual logic. That's, that's really the danger of sin because sin is like this. You know, you get, you, you remember the old cartoons where it had an angel on one side and a, and a little demon on the other with his little pitchfork? Sin works like this. You get tempted and you move into sin and you realize, you know, in God I have everything necessary for life and godliness. But I'll do that anyway through the lust of my flesh. And then this, this is really, you, this will be good. This teaspoon of stuff doesn't have a lot of poison in it, mostly sugar, a little water, and it will taste really yummy. And then as soon as you do it on the other shoulder, you wretched liar, you say you love God and you act that way, and suddenly it's, he switched shoulders. Good, bad. And now I, the, the finger pointing is, it's me that's really bad. Well, that brings you to the second point. All your sins are already forgiven. Now hang on, because this is where it bumps against false teaching. Whether you confess to them or not. If you're still believing that your sins aren't forgiven until you confess, you have misunderstood the new covenant. Does that mean I don't have to? If there's something that's gnawing at you between you and God, talk to him about it. But you don't have to convince him to forgive you. Guess what? You're forgiven. We don't have to run to God to get forgiven. We run to God because we are forgiven. That's why I go there. I don't have to convince him how bad I was. He already knew that. He died on a cross for that. He already knew it. And somehow we think that's been when we talk, do our internal talk. I've done this lots of times, by the way. Don't feel condemned. I'm not throwing stones at you. This is my life that I'm explaining this morning. How, God, would you please, 
empower me and help me to. I've prayed those prayers. You've prayed those prayers. We just don't like to talk about it on Sunday mornings. But here's the reality. Every one of them, every one of them are forgiven. Even the ones that you, oh, I fear God. God didn't forget them. He died for them. They're not hidden from him because you didn't confess them. Not only that, if the only sins that can be forgiven are the ones you confessed, what about the ones you forgot? I'd say you're all in deep yogurt. Seriously. What one did you forget? What one did you do and you really didn't understand how you did it or that you did it? Did you ever have somebody get upset at you and you didn't know what you did? So you're just going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't know what I did. I've had that. I've done that to people. Got upset with them and they didn't understand what they did and then watched them try and scramble to explain to me what we call that marriage. (laughs) Now we're all laughing at ourselves. We've made this so complex and difficult. And we've tried to turn the teaching simple into the seven steps of making sure you're okay with God. It, that's not true. It's not. The new covenant is what happened. God made a promise within himself that he will make a way for you and he will never deal with you again according to your sins. He will deal with you according to his Son, not sins, son, according to the cross. The cross was the only antidote. Therefore, the next step, since we're not, uh, by the way, this is where the other teaching comes from. This is where the old covenant gets mixed up. This number three, we're not under the law of blessing and cursing that's laid out. You find that in Deuteronomy? Because it's part of the law. Where it actually says, blessed will you be if you obey. And then it lists out all the things you obey. And then comes the bad verses. Cursed will you be if you don't obey. So we've taken that, which was the Mosaic covenant under the law, not understanding that Christ fulfilled that, it's complete. And we pull it forward and mix it with the new covenant. So we get this mishmash of, well, it says if I don't do well, I'm not going to be blessed. Do you know what Ephesians 1 says? He has blessed us from the beginning with every spiritual blessing. And there's no mention of a curse. (laughs) Woohoo! You mean I'm 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 free? Okay, now I'm going to go out and sin a whole lot. You'll be miserable. Because there's someone who lives inside of you that isn't comfortable with that at all. So here's what happens when we start thinking that way. And I I sort of call this the, the dance of shame or the mask of shame, whatever you want to do this. So you love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? I love him. And you made a mistake. 
You did the boo-boo. You did the bad thing. You did the wretched thing. Paul said in Romans 7, I did the very thing that I knew not to do. And I didn't do the stuff I knew was right to do. And when we do that, and we don't run to the Lord about it, but get caught up into the whole... Uh, sin has a nasty way of wanting to hide itself. It grows in darkness. That, that's where we get caught at the confession thing. Hebrews says that to, you're supposed to have a, a guilty conscience. So how do we get guilty? Because when I sin, I feel shame over what I did because I knew better. Tracking with me? And then the shame does this. The shame either drives me to believe that God's going to have to correct me and that he's upset with me about it and he's not okay with me. And that's called condemnation, that I'm condemned. I'm judged because of what those things they did because they were not good, they were unrighteous and unholy. So it's a truth that gets layered onto that. So now is when I move to the shame. When I, have, when I have guilt and then I feel condemnation and that God's mad at me and has to get me, then I will put on a cloak of shame. This is what a cloak of shame looks like. I will either pretend that I'm okay. All the time it's gnawing away at the integrity of the eternal seed that's in me. Or... I will tell you how awful I am and how God needs to discipline my life so that I become okay. And all of those are cloaks of shame that we wrap ourselves in. Should you never feel ashamed of your sin? Not really. You should run gladly to the throne of grace. You should come there, how does it say? Boldly. Because he made the access for it. And it says it's at that place that we obtain mercy and receive grace. So I run to God and the cleansing, the confessing I do is, God, I can't believe that I'm doing something totally outside of my identity with you. Your word says I'm joined with you and that's not what you do. I want to do what you do. I speak to my soul that way. You've been misbehaving. Stop that. You don't have to be that way. God, if, and I do, I, I confess. I go, God, if I've hurt somebody or if I'm hurting myself, but you see, I'm not hurting God. It's done in God. Well, you're, you're hurting God by your sinning. No, you're not. It did hurt God, but he died for it. It was buried with him. When he went into the tomb, when he rose from the dead, death no longer has dominion over him. The death that he died, he died for your sin, and that no longer has dominion over him. So the life, it says in Romans 6, that he lives, he now lives to himself, God. So to escape the cloak of shame is to run into the life of God. So when I confess, I say, God, I'm alive to you. Help me to understand how to continue to die to sin. 
just what Romans 6 says. I says identify. That's what the word reckon means when it tells you reckon yourself. It means identify. I'm, I'm, I'm dead to that world. It has no dominion over me. It doesn't have authority in my life. And I want to live alive to you. Boom, done. And the shame falls off of me and I can look at somebody else and just go, been there, done that. Thank God for his grace. That's at the end of Romans 7, by the way, when he says, what help is there? He says, thank God for the cross of Jesus Christ. And then wonderfully goes into Romans 8.1, which is your great trump card of life and how to escape shame. There is therefore now no condemnation. Listen, listen to this. This can't be taken from you. This is Ephesians 1, and we'll close with this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Where do you want to center your life? In Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons of Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Notice it says the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accept it. Where does it say, but if you do a boo-boo, you're no longer accepted? Keep searching in Ephesians. You will never find it. These are my confessions when I do this. You've accepted me. I'm coming just as I am. You've accepted me. You're not, you're not making me into something new. You made me new. And I am accepted in you under every circumstance of life. And that, you want to get rid of a cloak of shame? Put on a robe of righteousness. It's a game changer. I'm wrapped in God's righteousness. This is such a stunning scripture right here. There, there's 27 sermons in this. I don't know if there's actually that many. There's 30 or more that you can preach to yourself and go, oh, wow. There is no scripture any place in the New Testament that says a Christian breaks fellowship with God when he or she sins. Not one. You can't find me one that even slightly comes close to that. If that were the case, every Christian would constantly be breaking fellowship with God. Romans 14.23 defines sin as not living by faith. Not living dependent on God. How do you break the power of sin then? Lord, I live by your word. What God says about you. Lord, I live according to your word. I live unto you now. Try this prayer tomorrow morning. I'm serious. Try this prayer. God, all day, I want you to remind me 
to live in you. Or in Acts, it says in him, we live and move and have our being. Pray that prayer. Make it your confession. Try it for five or six days. Actually, I want you to try it for a lifetime. But try it for five or six days and see how it tastes. See what difference there is in you. You can, listen, true, true things you can actually measure. Because the word truth, it doesn't mean just veracity. True truth means that it's truth that is happening. Uh, it's the only way to explain it in the Greek tense. It means this truth not only happened as a truth, but it keeps, it keeps doing it. It kind of births itself. It keeps coming into an understanding in our life. I have no problem with you confessing when you do wrong, but confess the right thing. Confess what Christ has done and confess who you are in Christ. So I'm going to pray it for us now, okay? As best as you can, and some of you will do that better than me, as best as you can receive it this morning. Here we are this morning, God. Even with the mistakes that were made throughout this week, we present ourselves to you right now holy and blameless and free that you live inside of us. And it's through you that we have life itself. And that you have an incredible joy in being with us every second of every day. That you cause us to wake up in the morning, just like we sang, to receive the blessing of your presence. You will never leave me. You will never forsake me. You will never abandon me. You will never ignore me. You will never ever punish me for sin because you punished your son. And that I now have, I own it as a free gift for all time. You will not walk away. You are not disappointed in me. You are not discouraged over the way I live. You are not angry with me. You're not mad at me. You are so for me. I receive all of Romans 8 over my life again. That nothing, not one thing can separate me from your love in Christ. And I receive it again in Jesus' name.